Good morning. It is Tuesday, July the 11th, in the year of our Lord, 2023. I'm J.D. Walt, and this is your wake-up call. Beginning today, at the feet of Jesus, at the foot of the cross, this is a new day. Yesterday's consecration is not enough for today's transformation certainly not enough for its application. So let's consecrate ourselves to the Lord today. Wake up, sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Jesus, I belong to you. I lift up my heart to you. I set my mind on you. I fix my eyes on you. I offer my body to you as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Jesus, we belong to you. And we are praying in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today's entry is called On Jesus, His Church. And the government. Our text is Romans 13, verses 4 and 5. Hear the word of the Lord. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. They are God's servants, agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishment, but also as a matter of conscience. The Word of the Lord. Now consider this. Today's text should convince us that while Nero may have been the emperor of the day, he had not yet delved into the insanity he would come to be known for. How do we know? Because Paul would likely not have written the following about that Nero. And to get a load of those days, take a look at Revelation chapter 13. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. Now that we have that settled, let's also be clear that Rome was not a friendly government. Rome was an equal opportunity oppressor, especially to Christians. The declaration, Jesus is Lord, would have been heard as a decisively political statement and interpreted as insurrectionist at best. While I indicated Paul has not set out to give us a treatise on church and government-state relations, but he does give us some clear theological thinking on the matter here. To say Jesus is Lord 
does not mean Jesus is in the state and government business. It does mean he is in the in authority over the business of government and state. <clears throat> Take a look at how Paul puts it in his circular to the Ephesians. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And here's the key. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. That's Ephesians 1, 19 to 23. Notice the precise wording. It does not say that God appointed the church to be head over everything for Jesus. No, it says something quite different, even opposite. God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. Jesus is Lord. It means he is the head of the church, and he is the authority over the government. The great mistake repeatedly made through the centuries is to make the ill-fated leap to installing the church as the authority over the government and to do it in Jesus' name. The effect of this is to create a national church. It is a very short step from there to the effort to nationalize the Christian faith through the mechanisms of the government. While this is an ever-present seduction, both for Christian politicians and despotic demagogues, it always results in a disaster both for the church and the government, and especially the people. Now, it is a long way from ancient Rome to modern America, but there is a fascinating connective subtext as relates to the matters at hand. One of the truly brilliant strokes of genius of the founders of America was what is known as the Establishment Clause in the Constitution. It is in the First Amendment of what we know as the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. These are the first words of the First Amendment before free speech free press, peaceable assembly, and petitioning the government with grievances. I believe they reveal something of the theological mind of the founders, at least those who were Christians. 
They were not setting out to create a Christian nation as much as they were attempting to create a nation where people could freely be Christians, unhindered by the government. I have some experience and some learning on these matters, but I'm not an expert. Based on my experience and understanding, and at the risk of gross oversimplification, here's what I believe the Bible points to concerning the relationship between church and state, and hence what I surmise was in the minds of the founders of this country as they charted our course on the matter. I'll enumerate eight points briefly. Number one, Jesus is Lord, which means, number two, Jesus is the head of the church. And, number three, Jesus is Lord over all earthly governments. But, number four, the church is not the head of the government for Jesus. Number five, Jesus is the head of the government for the church. It is a separate reporting relationship. Number six, Christians can and must provide leadership in the government, but this is for the sake of righteous leadership, merciful laws, and just courts rather than religious indoctrination. Number seven, in other words, we do not need or want a, quote, Christian government any more than we would want an Islamic government. We do want Christians serving in government, as well as others, to the end of a merciful and just and virtuous society. Number eight, it is not the role of the government to create a Christian nation. It is a role of the government to create a nation in which people can freely become and faithfully live as Christians or live otherwise according to the dictates of their own conscience. It is the role of the church to sow the gospel of Jesus and his kingdom across this land and every other until the final trumpet sounds and the kingdom of this world becomes the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. See Revelation 11.15. Again, this is insanely complex and well beyond my pay grade to even comment, but as a pastor who happens to be a citizen living in this particularly troubled American context, I consider my duty is to speak from the limited wisdom I possess exercising both courage and restraint, and, yes, to prepare for a beating. <laughs> the Prayer Abba Father, 
it gives us great pleasure and is our deepest privilege to declare Jesus is Lord. Forgive us for trying to keep Jesus in a private religious compartment in our lives and in the world around us. Forgive us also for trying to impose Jesus on the world around us through the structures and strictures of the government. Holy Spirit, teach us and train us on our humble yet sacred place and role as your church in this world. Grant us wisdom. Grant us courage for the facing of this hour. Praying in Jesus' name. Amen. And the question. How are you challenged by the ideas put forth in today's entry? Do you find yourself resonating or objecting? Say more. What is your theory on the case? In our hymn today, yes, grant us wisdom and grant us courage for the facing of this hour. Let's sing the old hymn, God of Grace and God of Glory. And up the page number right now in our seedbed hymnal, our great Redeemer's praise, page number 45. In case you weren't listening, it's page number 45. Let's sing all three verses. God of grace and God of glory, on thy people pour thy power. Crown thine ancient church's story, bring her bud to glorious flower. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the facing of this hour. For the facing of this hour. Lo, the hosts of evil round us scorn thy Christ, assail his ways. Fears and doubts too long have bound us. Free our hearts to faith and praise. Grant us wisdom, grant us courage for the living of these days. For the living of these days. Set our feet on lofty places, gird our lives that they may be. Armored with all Christ-like graces In the fight to set men free Grant us wisdom, grant us courage That we fail not man nor thee That we fail not man nor thee Sorry about the feedback there my hymnal hit the mic well there are two notes today that i would point to you and urge you to go to the email and read they're they're lengthy and more commentary 
from me that I think is very on point. You know, the bottom line, I think, of, of one of those notes, I say this. I'm trying to learn to think theologically about things political rather than thinking politically about things theological. You see, that's the dangerous trend afoot these days in America, to think politically about things theological. The church has got to wean itself off of trying to get the government to do its job in this culture and in the world. The church has its massive mission. And one of its gifts to the church, to the world, to the society, one of the gifts of the church to the amazing American experiment is to help clarify clear thinking, theological thinking about things political. That's where, that's what, that's what is our place and task to do. The, the, the government's not going to do it. They can't do it. They're incapable of doing it. All they can do is lead us to think, you know, politically. Um, and that's why we find ourselves at such an impasse politically. Anyway, guys, that's just the tip of the iceberg of what I'm saying in these two comments in the notes today on the email. Well, let's call that a a, a morning. Okay, I know this is heavy material. This is heavy material for a daily devotional, but you know I don't see the wake-up calls a daily devotional. A little warm fuzzy you get in the morning before you get on to the next thing. No, this is a, this is a wake-up call, friends. That's what it is. So get your seed. It's time to get to sowing now. We've got seed to get in the ground on this day, this Tuesday, that will be growing on a day in the future that if we don't get in the ground, won't be growing on that day in the future. I'll be looking for you on the field, okay? For The Awakening, I'm J.D. Walt. We hope that today's entry challenged and encouraged you. And thanks for listening to The Wake Up Call, powered by Seedbed. Be sure to share this with a friend, leave us a rating, and subscribe wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Find out more and join the movement by visiting our website at seedbed.com slash wakeupcall.